Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, and independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Welcome to the Acts of the Blood God, where demons gather. And also, Eric Van Allen. Am I not lovely? Am I just also? <laughs> no comment. But you are a Packers fan, and it is Packers-Vikings rivalry week. So no, you're not lovely. That's fine. That's fine. You know, I'll just, I'll go over here and, and use all my rings to comfort me and try not to read any news about what my quarterback is saying. <laughs> and who's our special guest who's also a Bears fan, completing the trifecta of the NFC North? Yeah, the Bears. Kimberly Wallace here, best known from Game Informer, features editor. Yeah, all the sportos are here, but we're not going to be talking about football, thank God. We're going to be talking about Shin Megami Tensei Five. We've all had a chance to play it. Kim had a chance to play it the most of all, and we are going to review it just for you. We're also going to be talking about Pokemon, Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl being out on the Nintendo Switch. We're going to talk about the Activision Blizzard Nightmare. And we've got a lot of other stuff. We're trying out a new format for this episode. We're trying, we're shaking things up a little bit, seeing what works. We're really interested in your feedback. Share it over on the Discord. Send me an email at cat at bloodgodpod.com or DM me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Beyond that, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Um, for some reason, we got a bad review because apparently I was tweeting during an episode, which was an interesting thing. I don't remember <laughs> this, but okay. Hope it was a good tweet. Cat, <laughs> stop fandom tweeting. Cat, the only person who has ever tweeted on Blood God ever. <laughs> Certainly not myself. <laughs> Look, I got a lot of takes to get out of my get out of myself. You know, get out of my heart. <laughs> course you can follow nadia at nadia oxford eric is at cmosi s-e-a-m-o-s-i and kim where can we find you yeah at uh kstar 1785 twitcher right on and what else have you been doing at game informer these days oh my gosh well my whole like life went to smt5 so (laughs) i've been doing that and getting ready for game of the year stuff like we're right now putting that issue together and I'm trying to get my top 10 list uh, sorted out, which I feel like is a mess because there's so many games that I'm just like, I thought I stayed on top of stuff, but like new little gem keeps coming out or I've been playing a lot of uh, Eastward, which I forgot about mm-hmm. a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I forgot so far. to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning to go back to Eastward. Yeah, it's fun so far, but I tweeted about it, and um, but I'm only like four or five hours, and I'm like, oh, I'm liking it so far, and then people are telling me it gets really repetitive, apparently, uh, mm. falls into that RPG trap, as we know. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the unfortunate problem I had with that, is the pacing is, uh, yes, pacing needs some work. Yeah, that's what everyone said to me, the pacing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. it's not that long, it's just, uh, it meanders. It feels long, long though, it meanders. It- so I, I reviewed it and that thing is like longer than it needed to be by a pretty decent amount. It's definitely like it's got some good ideas going on and mm-hmm. it, it looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous, but gorgeous. it definitely overstays its welcome. And oh, there's no. some segments at the end that I don't know why you'd put that segment in at the end. No one enjoys those segments when you do them. So <laughs> it rhymes with stealth segment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, those damn Blelf megments. I yep. hate those. 
time for me to get on my soapbox and complain about stealth segments. But <laughs> I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to ask you, Kim, are you a Cowboy Bebop fan? Yes. Oh, right on. I just well, finished rewatching um every all of it before the oh, live action came on. Should have been so. on our live on our ranking show, which it's encompassed three parts. Oh, Part man. three is currently available to our patrons, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. It's a great show. We had our pal Henry Gilbert on, and we had a lot of in-depth, passionate <laughs> discussion about Cowboy Bebop. Got it was one. a blast. Well, that would be telling, Kim. Oh, that would be telling. You gotta listen. <laughs> you gotta listen. It wasn't Ballad of Fallen Angels or Real Folk Blues. I can tell you that. Yeah, it's not one of the syndicate episodes. It's not one of the syndicate episodes. Are you going to watch the live action one on Netflix? Yes. Oh, interesting. I'm going to watch. I'm curious about it. You're curious. Yeah. I I don't have high hopes, but I'm I'm curious. I got to see it. So um, I will try to do that this weekend. My fiance is excited for it, too. So Mm. he's like, let's let's set some time. I saw it. a clip of a joke about a bidet, and I said, you know what? It's not 1996 oh. anymore. I think I'm going to skip on this one. Yeah, mm. I've not been seeing positive stuff, which makes me, like, even more bummed about it. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a test run. Give I'll it a fair that. shot. Yeah, shot. give it a fair yeah, shot. Yeah. Bang. Yeah, like that. Anyway, thank you so much to all of our patrons for your support. You keep this show going. We love you all very much and we're just going to keep trying to produce as much content as possible charlie and dropouts is coming out pretty soon and we got our pantheon episode about persona 5 and cranking through that one i finally got through the space for it oh, oh that oh damn God. hamburger yeah. factory once you get through that uh, like that one that is always the one where people tell me that they like put the game down and needed to come back to it or whatever and i'm just like just get through so easy it. to get lost in there, but mm-hmm. I think the worst is over in terms of dungeons. Like I know the yeah. last dungeon meanders a bit, but I actually love it because uh, there's certain sequences in there that are a lot of fun. Mice. Speaking of meandering, let's talk about Shimegami Tensei V, <laughs> which is now available on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I've been playing it. I, it has a vibe. Oh yeah, a real vibe to it. Uh, I like the music. The open world is kind of desolate and terrifying. It feels like a Shimigami Tensei game. And more specifically, it feels like a PlayStation 2 game in so many ways. Yes. <laughs> I think it really nails that, though, in the best ways possible. Like, we talked, of course, in the Pantheon episode about Nocturne 3. And uh, was it Nocturne or is it Shimigami Tensei 3 Nocturne? Well, that one. And we talked about how it has great atmosphere and you can really appreciate mm. what it did for SMT. But it's a chore to play because it has a lot of accessibility issues that you don't see so much in games these days. And it feels like for SMT5, it took everything kind of terrible and annoying about uh, Nocturne, really polished it up and put it into 5. Like, I would say 5, frankly, is a really good entry point for anyone who's curious about SMT because it's hard, but it's not Nocturne kick you in the balls hard. It's pretty fair. And you got a lot of save points, checkpoints. There's no is there autosave? I don't think there's autosave. Make sure you save no, your game. No autosave. Mm-hmm. No. So, I can yeah. confirm. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That sounds I lost very painful. Some progress. It. You know, I will say. Um, I don't know how far you are, but I think it's around the 30, 35 hour mark for me anyway. When I played, when there is those 
bad difficulty spikes. Oh, that... so I'm not quite there yet. I'm about... Yeah, it'll hit you. You'll know. You'll know when you get there, and you'll probably message me and be like, Kim, <laughs> the prophecy you... has come true. Trust me, that was what took me the longest time to get through. Was all of a sudden everything just like jumped twenty levels on me, and Ouch. I was like, what? <laughs> and then I, you had like all these boss battles that you had to get through, and. Once you got through a few of them, you're fine, but it was like just getting your level up to get to those, um, you know, yeah. was, it was SMT. <laughs> That's fair. But getting murdered by cat cheese. Damn <laughs> really? The little, t- the little tiny cats? Aww. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of mean because they'll like swarm you. There'll mm-hmm. be like a multitude of them and they can mm-hmm. do a surprising amount of damage. Yep. That's the thing with SMT. This is still SMT where... You can easily be like, wow, look at me. I'm so confident. I'm going to kick everyone's ass. And then all it takes is one battle, one bad battle, one. Mm-hmm. Nego- uh, before we started the show, I was negotiating with like there were five demons. I was negotiating with one that didn't have my party. And he told me to F off. And then everybody just jumped on me at once. And I nearly lost yes! my life. That gets it every time because you're like, I want this damn demon. My level's yeah. finally up to the like, I'm going to negotiate and like negotiation just goes wrong. Um, I will say you do have ways to prevent that later on like you can get a skill um when you find the me man enough of them that uh gives you like a second chance with those i don't know if you open that yet so i loved having that skill because it saved me a bunch of times and then also i the moons pay attention to those yes Mm, yeah yeah. it's so nice when you don't even have to like argue with them or anything they're just like yeah i'm in a good mood i'm just gonna join you don't even have to give me anything and i'm like yes (laughs) i think that's what got me when i was uh when i nearly got killed was i tried to talk to them and it was the new moon or something and they were freaking out and yeah. they just had a bad trip on my ass. Always the worst feeling. Yeah. That's what I enjoy about SMT so far. And like, I'm probably the least amount in out of all of us because I I've been playing other stuff that we'll talk about later, but like I have honestly just been hanging out in a lot of the early areas and grinding mm-hmm. and yep. happily doing so because it's just a good world to vibe in. Like I was describing it to a friend and I called it, the third impact RPG because it's you're, you're playing in the end of the world and it's everything is in ruins and demons have taken over and it's just, it's like beautiful desolation all around. And it's a vibe that I don't really find in any other RPGs. And it's pretty rare tone. It's the tone. Like I was saying this to a friend, as soon as you get in there, it's just this feeling of like, gosh, no other game has this way of just making you, who who has like a world like that? And you're like, I really want to play in this world, but I do really want to play in that world. And like, I mm-hmm. like the dark adult tones to it and just having that feeling of like, yep, this world's in rune. Here we go. And then you find out like you were out for a second, but you wake up and blah, blah, blah stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And you find out when you are out like 20 something between 20 and 18 years have passed. And yep. these demons have just always been there. And they're like, oh, yeah, who are you? Cool. I like how the demons are just like humans. They're like one of them was, was said to me. Uh, I went up to negotiate with them. And they're like, you know what? J- just give me some money. Reminds <laughs> of the time I got mugged. They ask for money a lot. Um, yeah, that's uh, and it's always now. It's usually not a small amount. Oh, no, they take a lot. I feel perpetually poor in this game. Yep, they really make you feel that. Um, one thing that I discovered uh, very recently was you 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 gather up a bunch of junk, and if you sell that, yep. Uh, that's it's like Persona Five. You need to sell that yep. to get your money. 
that will save you every time. You can make a lot of money. And the stuff replenishes too um, after oh, okay. a certain amount of time. So like just because you go back, you can go. That's how I made like a lot of bank was just going back. Well, I would get lost on the map because it's really easy to get lost. It's in very areas. easy. Especially as you get further in the game. Like, wow, there are some very hidden paths that you have to like, I would just like run around trying to find them. And I'm even like looking at the map. And I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be here. But sometimes you don't realize like you have to be in another area yeah. and like drop from somewhere to get it. So you'll think you're standing on the right spot on the map and you're like, nope, that's not it. So I would tell people like, there's a lot of verticality to this world and that's a really cool thing, but always make sure you're looking out and at, cause it shows the paths and different things that you can platform on to get to different places and really gives you, they're very good viewpoints to like survey, like, Oh, maybe if I go that way, I can get yeah. there. But yeah, I was very much training myself again to like look everywhere and just be very meticulous and, what I like about SMT5 in particular is that I always felt rewarded for exploring because there's that reward risk reward with SMT, as we all know, where you're like, gosh, I really don't want to lose progress. But this thing is like, there's something over there and I got to see what it is. And most of the time I found like my time was well spent. I mean, you can find statues that will like level up your entire demon yeah. party, which are so, so satisfying to find. You can find, like I said, hidden quests that really make a big difference. And some of those hidden quests will like open up a demon that's like sometimes like five levels ahead of you, 10 even. And you're like, okay, this is the demon that's rolling with me for a while now. You, <laughs> you know, always like, get that with above you. Yeah. Like, even I with just, the persona, just get that yeah, demon. Right? You know, it's going to roll with you. You just feel like it's worth it to find everything. And I'm not somebody who, I am somebody who's very meticulous in general. I play the games, but like after a while, I'll be like, I don't need to find everything. But in SMT, I'm like, yes, I do. Cause this you need everything. Help me. You do. You need everything. And I think they do a good job of giving you great rewards for doing so and kind of like, you know, playing that risk reward game, like, Ooh, do I want to chance this? And thankfully the save points is you can teleport between them. And yes. that is, and then with help. a press of a button later, just like transport to the last one you used. And that I think like changes like that, I feel like make the save system not as bad. Um, you know, people are like, I can't save everywhere, like getting really nervous about it. And yeah, that I, I I wish sometimes that I could save where I wanted to sometimes because I was, you know, I hate putting my switch into rest mode and being like, all right, I guess it's just going to chill here for a bit. But um, I felt like it was fair with how many, like there are plentiful save points and I didn't feel, I lost progress like a few times. I think I looked at my clock at the end and I had like probably... And this is like playing all the way to the end, maybe like five to 10 hours that I Oof. lost somewhere wow. along the way. But um, I think it was more towards the end when you could get like getting you had to fight towards the end. And yeah, I, I have nightmares about those last dungeons. <laughs> still. But there's like they try to box you in with like there are enemies that are very high level that like you're supposed to not fight right away. You're supposed mm, to come back yeah. to them later. Um, as as you get through the dungeon. And so I had a few points where 
I thought maybe I could take them and maybe I shouldn't have taken that risk. But <laughs> Don't fight the big giant stone guy. He's going to step on you. I came across dead. like a, an angry Buddhist uh, fighter oh, yeah. guy. He, he stomped me pretty bad. It was an accident. I didn't mean to run into him. Yeah. It's a kind of game where having a waypoint feels like a concession. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, I guess we'll put one of these in here. I don't know. Um, it feels like a PlayStation 2 RPG. It's not necessarily a bad thing. We are closer to the PS2 era than we like to think because the PS2 was really the birth of this kind of, uh, well, the modern game, mm-hmm. I should say. Um it is different than Nocturne, though, and I think having the mm-hmm. the the way it dumps you into this kind of sandbox right from the start, literal. like literally a literal sandbox, right? Um, and there are demons all around, and you see Tokyo Tower, but everything is in ruins and desolation, and you're just you're making in a weird way. It feels almost like Final Fantasy 13 in the way that you're running toward a waypoint and there are monsters on either side of you. But it's also more of an expansive sort of freedom. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Nocturne, yeah, Nocturne's structure was more dungeon focused. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of eschews dungeons, which I find be a pretty interesting choice and i think a lot of smt fans have been like where the heck are the dungeons they're there but they're short dungeons and there there's only a few of them so, so yeah, it's they, like uh breath of the wild i was gonna say they pulled a breath of the yeah. wild where they really yeah. worked breath on the, the overworld wild. which is fine with me i always prefer a good overworld to a, a stuffy old dungeon i do really like one of the last dungeons you don't want to be in a sewer nadia no, please take sewers. me to all the sewers. I haven't been to enough sewers in my life. Uh, Eric, you said third impact. I was thinking drifting classroom. Okay, yeah, I could see it. It's it's yeah, just, just the, the sand and the the sky. Like when you get when you step out and you see just you can't even see the sky because it's all just ruins towering up as far as you can look. It's a it's a pretty cool scene. It's it's just beautiful and like honestly, selfishly, part of the reason I haven't played a lot of it is because I finally secured myself one of those OLED switches. Uh, it's coming choice. in tomorrow, and I got a big trip next week, and so I'm going to play a whole bunch of SMT5 on my OLED, and it's going to look thing. great. SMT5 is really variable in terms of graphics. There Don't are break times, my heart like this cat. <laughs> there are times when it looks really good, especially during the, the battles and when it does a close-up on an enemy while they're mm-hmm. doing something. And there are times, especially when you're in the overworld, I think, where... It will get really blurry. Uh, if you're playing, it if you're playing docked, it will slow down and get kind of uh, sluggish at times. Yes. And that's fine. I don't think this game was ever intended to be a looker, but it, it was. you mentioned that it's more polished than Nocturne. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. This game does not, I, I would not use polish as a descriptor, I have to admit, I have not game. seen any of the the problems people have been talking about, but I haven't been playing in docked. I'm playing exclusively in handheld with the OLED mm. switch, so maybe that affects my. I mean, I'm not saying it's the most beautiful looking game of the year, I didn't but say it had problems per se. Oh, I just I'll say said it that problems. it's not very polished. It, it it chugs when I play it docked for sure. Mm. Um, That's weird. Why would it be chugging in docked but not handheld? It, because it's optimized differently for right. each one. Ah. That's why. It, it yeah. might be trying to run at a higher resolution and then using like 
is starting to stutter when that resolution can't keep up with the Switch's internals. That's my speculation, but... Good old Switch. Yeah, I played mostly in handheld because every time I played it in docked, it looked terrible to me compared to handheld. Like, there's wow. just... There is a big difference. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, So I was like, I'm sticking with handheld on this. Um, I had frame rate issues, which I thought maybe, you know, they did tell me there was going to be a day one update. I thought it would fix some of it, but. Hasn't been as far as I know. Because I saw everybody when it came out and they, like, um, staff was laughing at me because I was like, SMT5 is really good. And then I'm like, but play it in handheld mode don't play it docked it doesn't look great it's it's fine though because this game is an old school rpg with some interesting new ideas and it makes no bones about that and old school rpgs tend to be a little unpolished so when i said polished i meant more about the gameplay Mm -hmm. and like things like for example we were talking about the convergence points like stuff like that that just makes it more Mm -hmm. accessible to as a modern experience Oh, yeah. Having a waypoint alone makes yeah. it far mm-hmm. more accessible than SMT3 Nocturne, a game where half the time you're, I'm like, where the heck am I going? Yep. I do not know. Still have nightmares about that one. Oh, yeah. That was how you knew. Um, I've, well, with my friend's circle and stuff, is like, that's how you knew who the are hardcore RPG player. <laughs> Yeah, the cool ones. Yeah, we're taking on Nocturne and we're going to keep going at this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it takes a certain mindset. Mm -hmm. I've actually been thinking recently. So I've been watching uh, the Tim Rogers like videos and he had a comment about Final Fantasy VII Remake where he said, RPG fans aren't necessarily RPG fans. They are people who want to hang out in the world. They want to, you know, feel that world, right? And I was like, yeah, that, that kind of describes me, honestly. I don't like grinding, and I don't like superfluous fetch quests. Mm-hmm. I like RPGs because of strategic combat and relationships and a world that feels lived in. And, well, SMT5's world does have a vibe, and it does have the strategic combat. But it leans, I feel, pretty heavily on the grinding and the superfluous fetch quests. So I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll push through those elements so that I can continue to enjoy the kind of the more interesting elements of the game, in my opinion. I'm just meditating a little bit on on SMT. And yeah, it's 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 reminding me a little bit of Dungeon Encounters in a way that is just reminding me of the things I like about RPGs, like the combat system in SMT5 is phenomenal and you know it should be after so many years (laughs) but i feel like this one it just feels really good to go back to this system and and see it in in the way they interpret it in smt5 especially um i've been i've been enjoying a lot of the stuff with the what the the crit meter the super bar the i always want to call it like the ex i like that yeah Yeah. (laughs) um it's i i like that stuff i like that there's kind of little gauges to think about this time around. And I just forgot how much fun it was to build up this army and slowly like bring them around you knowing that they will soon become fusion fodder to become even more powerful (laughs) demons. And like, there's, there's like, I I talked about this. We were talking about the persona versus SMT, but uh, persona is a game about like reaching out to others and building those relationships that way. And it's very focused. Like the protagonist in that game essentially is a player insert 
and you are supposed to be having these relationships with other characters, whereas uh, it's a playerish insert in SMT5, but it feels more focused on your decisions and how the world is viewing you and how you're reacting to the world. Like very early on, there's a whole story beat about a demon that seems like she's going to be super helpful, but the voice, the the man that has fused with you in your brain is like, yo, don't don't trust stuff. People like get robbed out here. <laughs> like, do not listen to this demon. And I, that's that's a cool difference in tone and storytelling. Like, I don't have this cool party of rambunctious, you know, revolutionary teenagers running around saving the world. It's me and all these demons that I've given money to to join my party, and I'm going to turn them into cooler demons by fusing them in some weird demon ritual later. And I like that vibe difference. It's it's fun. It's interesting, and I'm glad to have this back and have it have the level of production that something like Persona Five has had. I don't think it has the level of production that uh, Persona 5 say. has. Higher higher than SMT4. Okay, it's not a handheld game anymore in that sense. It is Are you sure? It, come on. I it's think got so. an overworld. It's got a it's, giant It's got a pretty like we're talking about it being a PS2, you know, ish game. No PS2 game really had an overworld like this. Even the best overworld I can think of, one of the best is say Dragon Quest 8, like which was a great yeah, overworld but it was fair. still very blank. This is not a blank overworld. There's a lot to do. It, that's fair. That is fair, Nadia. The expansive overworld, I think, makes uh, makes a big difference. Uh, it does for sure. I, f- I feel like I'm coming off like as a freaking naysayer around this game. Yeah, I I like the game. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's got a vibe to it. I'll I'll, I'll kind of back you up a little bit on that. I can't. I try to tell people with SMT, um, especially even with me with five. Like I had to put myself in the right mindset for it um, to be like there are such high highs in this game but the lows are very low and you have to like when you get to those highs like for me it always makes those lows worth it but yeah there are times where you're like i do not want to be just circling this area trying to level up or find you know find these high more powerful demons so i can just get better um and i think for me it's so weird for me because when i play rpgs you know, I really do like to tinker with my battle systems and really put, you know, that that's the part that SMT really speaks to me. And that is like the combat and all that. But I also really like story and, and characters and there's a different tone to this and a, a different way it approaches it. But for me, what makes it all kind of worth it is like I place we all here. We all play a, a lot of RPGs, right? Yeah. How many do you feel like? you are kind of sleepwalking through like I can just go into this battle, press this button, do this. I know I'm going to win, but with SMT, many of them, you have to just always be on your toes and like yeah. two steps ahead of everything. You always have to be thinking of like, all right, this area has this kind of demon type. I need to have this type of member in my party. I need to, you know, the essences. We haven't talked about that, though. Yeah. Being able to put that. Mm. I mean, God, that saved me so many times of being able to, like, borrow other demons affinities yeah, for my main character. Can you explain the essences to me? Because I'm not sure I quite get it. Yes. Yeah, so use these because they're very important. So okay. you will get demon essences. You can find them along the way. Some quests right. give them. 
Um, but what it allows you to do is you can take skills from demons and give them to your main character and also to your demons. But the main character can also inherit their infinity. So if you find a demon mm. that I found one that like, you know, reflected all physical attacks. Oh, I want that. And it's, you know, it's um, powerful um, blocks like electric or something. And you go into, right. you know, a boss fight and you know that that you know, other demon after dying the first time, presumably is going to yeah. have, you know, electric. Cause that's part of it. Like, you know, when you go into a boss battle, you might lose that first bout of it. Probably most likely because you don't know what you're up against. But once you do like, that's what I love. My brain goes back and it's like, all right, I don't have the right demons for this, but these instances allow you to at times like alter your party to fit these battles. Um, and, and have skills like say you get into a boss battle and you realize, man, I need more, you know, characters with fire. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't have much. You can just take the essence of a demon, put it on the character um, and you find some really powerful ones as the game goes on and some very special attacks through those. Um and like I said, the affinity thing is just so beneficial. Like toward the end, I found like demons that just... God, it's so satisfying when you absorb their attacks or like <laughs> counter Sucker. it straight back at them. Like so repel rather. Yeah, it's so exciting. Like it made me constantly be thinking about my party, but it also doesn't like, I think there's probably some concern for people. Does that make the game easier? And I would argue no, uh, because you still need to constantly be fusing and finding new demons that are up to a certain level. You can yes. never depend just on. And that's what I like. A demon that was like your most powerful that you're like, I I love this, you know, this little dude. I'm never <laughs> abandoning him. The next battle can be utterly useless to yes. you and be like, mm -hmm. and you're like, man, I got to find a new like, you know, head honcho or find somebody with better skills for this boss. And you're, that's what I love. It's that constant progression, that constant thinking. And as somebody who I love me a turn-based battle system, I still mm -hmm. sit there and I'm like, I, I just love it. Um, and a game that does it really well is a game that requires me who, like I said, would sleepwalk normally through these to like constantly think. And I like that challenge. It is a refreshing challenge. And um, I can't say many games have made me feel as rewarded as SMT5 does. But I don't even think I think I don't think any game currently has done this for me when I beat those bosses and I freaking I come back to them after getting completely crushed and I rethink my strategy and then come back and I just am like a boss against them. I'm like, ah, in your face. Now I'm the boss. Now <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the, the boss. And <laughs> like, it is so satisfying. And that is what it is for me. But like on paper, as Kat said, some of the stuff with it, like, yeah, I don't like fetch quests and like first, and I don't like, um, you know, I think the navigation, the running around in circles, the fact that you'll get further as you get farther in the game, like sometimes, you know, missing one jump or falling off a ledge yeah. will mean you have to go all the way around and back again. Like that stuff drives me nuts in RPG. I just freaking take it from SMT for some reason. I'm mm -hmm. just like, because of those highs, I think is what I'm Remember trying to say. Remember like, Xenogears, Tower of Babel? I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I don't, but that sounds terrible. Anytime you have the word tower of babel in an rpg you're, you're gonna get screwed somehow oh boy those towers and platforming yep. that's what i love uh, but actually i really love running around 
in the world mm-hmm. of yeah. SMT5. It is fun to hold the dash button and yeah. like go screaming at max speed. You're blue hair streaming out behind you as monsters are all around you. And there are the big, uh, I forget what they're called, but they're the big anomalies that are vomiting out monsters at you. And you're like oh, running yeah. around them. Mm-hmm. So it's like a bullet hell shooter in its own mm-hmm. weird way. I actually love those because they, I forget the name of them. I was going to call them anomaly too. That might be what they're called. They kind of muddy up the map until you get rid of them. And when yep. you get rid of them and you, you you clear that area of the miasma on the map, that actually is really satisfying. Mm, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's a very dense systems focused RPG, but those systems have been honed over a long period of time. The, actual press turn system that was uh, from Nocturne. It's exquisite because there's just enough reward where if you're constantly being able to hit enemies with critical hits and weak attacks and everything, you can just keep going and it feels great in many ways. It's basically juggling like in RPG form. It's pretty great. But it's not too overpowered at the same time. Mm Yeah. No, exactly. You can't really steamroll your enemies unless you're really, really a lot higher than them. Which reminds me, uh, Kim, when you said like talking about the giving up these demons at your best friends and all of a sudden they're outclassed. It's like I was thinking just before I came on the show, oh, you know, Bicorn is no longer my best friend. Like Archangel is my best friend now. <laughs> Poor Bicorn. <laughs> he was with me for a long time. Then he just, I crossed a line somewhere. Yep. And he was just like, oh, well, uh, you know what? This guy has much better stats. Sorry. You're, you're kind of cool. Yeah, you're like, it's cool. time to go, buddy. It hurts, but it's time to go. Pick mm-hmm. him out behind the shed and shoot him. Yeah. Upstate, a.k.a. the you're world You're going to become demons. something better in a fusion for me that I exactly. need. <laughs> you're Which you do by playing better. the organ for some reason. SMT5 is Pokemon. If the Pokemon talked to you and made fun of you and stole your lunch money and then joined your party and then you could fuse them into new and monstrous forms. I would play that. See, if Pokemon did Nobunaga's ambition, I don't see why they can't do SMT. Pokemon, so that's a horrifying every setting. Every Pokemon but... is Danny DeVito. <laughs> that's cursed. That's not SMT. That's just cursed. Well, we need to be moving on, but bottom line, should our listeners check out Shimigami Tensei 5, Kim? Absolutely. Um, I think if you go, just know you're going to die. It's okay. You will you're going to die. It. It's fine. It's fine. That's <laughs> what I tell everyone. I'm like, it's fine. Everybody dies. You, you'll get I've died several it. times in this <laughs> game and lost progress. In Then I put my Switch away and I go... I'm going to go do something else. And then I come back to it and I'm like, oh, yeah, this game has a vibe to it. And then I keep playing. It brings you back. Like, that's the Mm. thing. I mean, it has that pull. And like, even for somebody who had to review it and at a much faster pace than I would ever take uh, an SMT game on my own, um, I still say I was like, there's just that pull and the battle. Like I said, just be prepared for that. And you know, if you like what we talked about here with really thinking through the battle system, going through that world, um, I think I think you'll you should. Yes, I give it a yes. Yeah, I am about 12 hours in and I would say definitely this is a decent entry point if you're not sure about SMT, because like we talked about, it's hard, but not too hard, at least at first. It's not like 
Nocturne where they, they kick your ass right away with the Matador. They just kind of ease you into it a little bit mm-hmm. without holding your hand too much. Plus, there is a casual mode if you want to play it that way. I haven't tried it yet, but it's perfectly legit. I wouldn't, so. play, it. I wouldn't play it that way. You uh, can if do you it want in to Nocturne. Just, eh, if, you know, it just... Uh, it, I found it really... I tried casual on Nocturne and it really, really made things way too easy, but I don't know how it, did, it is yeah. on SMT5. It might be perfectly fine. I can't mm-hmm. say. I think that if you play SMT5, you may know really fast whether or not this is the game for you. Having said that, I think that you should stick with it beyond your initial impression and see how you feel because once you kind of penetrate into the game and start really getting into it you may actually find yourself going yeah i'm like i'm really into this game it's the same with nocturne it's a Mm -hmm. game that really kind of takes some um some will to keep going i should say so good point uh, yeah so give it a shot it's a shame that there's not a demo yeah there should be a demo demo. that i don't understand we talked about that last week about how Mm -hmm. they have 10 million trailers but no demo it's very strange Well, from Shin Megami Tensei 5, one of the hardest and most complicated RPGs of the year, we go to Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, one of the easiest and most accessible RPGs of the year. In fact, a lot of people are saying, what? This Pokemon campaign is too easy. This experience share makes it trivial. I'm like, what if Pokemon's campaign was always trivial? What if it was always like this? And it was meant to be like this. It's always like this because the point is not the campaign. The point is everything else. Anyway, I started playing Brilliant Diamond and I think it's pretty cool. And it brings me back to when I was living in Japan. And Did you get your great. Infernape in the game? No, I still have a Chimchar. <laughs> but my pal's back. I named him Char, as is canonical. The Red Comet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my little monkey pal. It's been too long. Far, far too long. Have any of you three played Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl? Do you have intentions to play it? I have not played it yet. I don't know if I have intentions. Now that I've heard that it's basically Diamond and Pearl just, you know, rezzed up a bit. And it does add stuff, of course. It is not. It it has extra stuff. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Because just hearing everyone complain, but again, as Pokemon fans are always complaining, saying it's basically the same. Yeah, (laughs) it's basically the same game, blah, 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 blah. I might give it a try. But right now I'm busy with SMT5 and Endwalker is coming, so I'll have to see where I am. I am definitely going to get Legends Arceus, though. I'm extremely interested in that. No, I'm in the same boat as Nadia, where I I maybe would have considered this just because I didn't play these originally. But the fact that there's so many other games coming out right now and like the, the thing about the difficulty in the campaign like that has always bothered me where I'm like, yeah, these are like like small children play these games like these people this is a lot of people's first video game is pokemon like that's sort of the idea is that they're supposed to be easy to get through at least in the beginning and uh so that always weirded me out but i i think it's just an element of i i want something fresh from pokemon and so i think arceus is going to give that to me whereas like bdsp seems to appeal to the people that would want to either play these games again or miss them the first time around but really want that core pokemon experience uh 
and that's just not the comfort food I need right now. I, I like my prog rock devil metal post-apocalyptic <laughs> version of monster raising instead and then monster rancher will get me through the rest of the monster raising i need going into monster new year's. Need your monsters to abuse you yes yeah i need my my monsters to just we need a love-hate relationship you know it's we're working together because we have to work together and and not this friendship bullshit <laughs> <laughs> pikachu is my best friend no, I was going to say, well, I need comfort food right now after finishing SMT5. Um, so I'm actually picking up my pre-order of it tomorrow. Um, I have a road trip I'm going on. I'm going to see my family back in Chicago, six-hour car ride. Fiance will be driving, so I will be playing me some Pokemon. Um, and I am looking forward to something that's a little... A little less taxing than SMT5 after mm-hmm. I really, like I said, that end game whew, really got me there. So um, I felt so victorious and, and did my victory laps, but I, I'm ready for something. Well that done. I just like, mm-hmm. I was so proud. I mean, I the took beast a of, a game. of the credits on the screen because I was like, see everyone, I did it all the way. That's to amazing. The well so, done. Yeah. Well now done. I'm like, I need time to just relax. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. And I love my monster collecting. So I forgot that next week is Thanksgiving for for you Americans, or this mm-hmm. week at the time of this recording. But yeah, that's uh, gonna be weird for me because when I was with US Gamer, I was always stuck with the Black Friday stuff, and because <laughs> I was Canadian. <laughs> and I'm glad I won't be doing that. No, sorry, Bob. Well, here are a few thoughts that I thought that I kind of jotted down when I was playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I think. One of the things that gets lost in translation a little bit with these remakes Mm -hmm. is when Pokemon Diamond and Pearl came out, they were a reaction to Gen 3, Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. A game, a a generation that cut a lot of features from Gold and Silver and also pared down the Pokedex. Like, you couldn't initially get a lot of monsters and took a lot of work and a lot of games to be able to get everything in Ruby and Sapphire. And at the time, people were about as mad about those games as they were about Sword and Shield, right? It's only in retrospect that people like Ruby and Sapphire, I think. And people did not like yeah. the Hoenn region. Too much water. They did not but... like the Hoenn region. Too many wa- too much water, too many trumpets. Mm-hmm. Yes. Diamond and Pearl comes along. It properly restores the timing segments, the scheduled vendors, the day-night cycle. It adds adds, uh, the special physical split, which was a big deal within the competitive uh, community because it it resulted in, for example, psychic attacks, which had always been special, could now have a physical variation. And now things got a lot more interesting in terms of the actual strategy. It was the first game to have the global trade system and like online components, right? Like all of this stuff was really cool back in the day and is par for the course, completely wrote, people will not know that this is all new in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. So as a result, people go, I don't think it's that different from Ruby and Sapphire or anything. Like what 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 a special about this particular game, aside from the fact that it has Chimchar, objectively the best Pokemon in Pokemon (laughs) history. And it's fair. Now, I have a lot of memories and 
um, you know, like it, it hits a very special time of my life. I played this game, this generation entirely in Japanese. So I never actually saw the story in English, but it, um, it, it brings me back. It's a nostalgia play and it's simple and it's straightforward. And that overworld looks like a, it was made in a, a mobile game circa 2013. <laughs> but I like the battles and I battles like the music. Good. Yeah. So I'm going to keep playing it mostly because I want to get to the point where I can, when the Pokemon home compatibility is introduced, I can immediately take everybody from Diamond and Pearl and bring them over to Sword and Shield. You can do it, Kat. I can do it. They'll all come home someday. 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 The littlest hobo. My child, Char, is going to be back with me, back at my side. But here's a question that I have for all of you. Was there a way that Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl could have generated more excitement? Because from what I see, this seems to be kind of the least excited people have been for a new Pokemon game in quite some time. Were people, did they feel the same way about Diamond and Pearl the way that they feel about Pokemon Let's Go? Because I remember liking Pokemon Let's Go a lot for its, you know, kitty simplicity and people did not like it as much as I did. Um, maybe they're having the same reaction to Diamond and Pearl. I know that the complaint I have seen the most by far is they took everything that made that they improved in Platinum and just ignored it, which is very, very, very Game Freak. That's what they do. It has it updated the underground and put a lot of Pokemon from Platinum down there. Mm. Okay, but yeah, there's certain... See, I don't know this generation extremely well, so I don't know how many like adjustments were made between Diamond and Pearl and Platinum, but I know Platinum... For example, had the the distortion world, and I don't think that's in. It's a uh, disappointing that it's missing that one, yeah. and the battle frontier, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was your baby right there. My baby that nobody played except for me. Apparently. Yeah, I played through all of that and got all of the the badges, and it was good. But nobody so I played would assume it. So that if they brought back those platinum things, uh, that would have made things at least a little more. Exciting. I know that I never played Platinum, so I would have been a little more eager to check out Platinum and uh, like a Platinum upgrade and and see what I had missed the first time around. Yeah. I think it's just amazing to me that like it's it's still a core Pokemon game and I think it's going to appeal to people who like core Pokemon games, although time and time again, people who like core Pokemon games seem to not like core Pokemon games or Pokemon games at all. I just I don't know what they like. Just not Pokemon. So. Uh, but that to appeal like to me who kind of burned himself out on Pokemon and felt like he got his fill with what he played a sword and shield. And it's really looking forward to Arceus more than anything else. Uh, just anything that would have made it not be, uh, you know, it, it felt like there was a lot of just, we're, we're doing BDSP like we've done heart gold, soul silver. And like we've done or a, uh, AS and all that. And, I think there's just an element of expectation almost with it that I'm sure some Pokemon fans like, but for me, it's, it's too known of a quantity for me to, to really get excited or interested about it. I wouldn't even call it a core Pokemon game because it would be a core Pokemon game. If it were more in the mold of sword and shield. Yes. And had Mm -hmm. the wild areas and, 
Gigantamax forms and kind of all of the stuff that we associate with this generation. Instead, it's adjacent to this generation. It's kind of its own weird thing. So it feels like a a side story or a spinoff. So it doesn't have the same weight as Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, for example. Yeah, by by core, I just mean that like this is it's Pokemon. It is like functionally, structurally what you expect from a Pokemon game. And in the way that Sword Shield messed with that, toyed with that, did cool new things that you were just talking about. uh, This this was like we've it's an updated version of a game that came out a while ago and that they've done for many of their generations since and will probably keep doing for their generations because it seems to work and it seems to sell video games. So that's that's kind of the thing with me at the end of the day is it's the same reason why i didn't buy ultra sun ultra moon is i was just like i've played those games before you don't want to play through the whole story again yeah they i'm good. the story too i'm, even make it the same. I'm personally good i make my piece with that and i don't i don't disparage them for it but i also you know that doesn't appeal to me as a purchaser of video games kim is there anything else you want to add I just think a lot of stuff has come out um, recently, mm-hmm. you know, and even for me, I f- frankly forgot that this was coming out uh, and I just pre-ordered it last week because I was like, <laughs> oh, I finished SMT5. I should reward myself with something. And I was reminded because, uh, like I said, um, our reviewer kept talking about like, oh, when is it coming in? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's coming out soon. Like I I don't know if I did not have like a big car trip <laughs> coming up if I would have like, you know, pounced on it right away. I think I would got like, didn't like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up maybe eventually. But um, like I said, we've had so much that's just like in the last few months um, come out too that it's just, it's like, well, it's there as, as Kat said, like, it just feels like, a, you know, spin off, could play it when, I'm, you know, like it just feels like on that level of like, okay brand new need to get it now new release or you know then i'll wait a little so that's what i think is is going on here is that and i think people are also confused on like how much of a remake it is and and yeah we already talked about like there the messaging i feel like wasn't always out there or clear to people um so yeah now that the reviews I think are the out. art style for the overworld might have lost some fans too because yeah. I see what they were going for. I think they were trying to do a link, uh, the Link's Awakening sort of look. Mm. And Nintendo being Nintendo was really on top of what made that special. Uh, Pokemon and Game Freak a little more, as Kat said. I don't think it looks like a mobile game, but it's not like it doesn't have the just the the zing of Link's Awakening did. There's something missing that vital that made doesn't Link's even Awakening look good, right. as good as Let's Go. It looks a lot worse than Let's Go actually. Mm. Let's Go looked really good. I liked Let's Go for yeah, that reason. Yeah. But yeah, there's no reason to make the overall that. Well, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is out now. And you know what? I'm going to keep playing it because I like being able to play Pokemon Diamond on my television. I have been enjoying that aspect. And my pal Chimchar is back. Follow your bliss, Kat. Thank you, Nadia. I will. And now for something that we think you'll really like. Yeah, here's here's the thing. Uh, so I guess one of our things we're doing here now is we're all doing little segments and stuff. And so I wanted to share a thing with y'all that I thought was neat that we actually talked about last week. 
and I went into and dug into a little bit more uh, Racing Lagoon, a 1999 street racing RPG released only in Japan uh, for the PlayStation 1, has recently received an English translation patch. So you can now essentially play the Tokyo Drift RPG that America never got. And it's kind of a mixed reception, um, not not the patch itself, but the game. Uh, upon its release, it got some mixed reviews. Uh, people were kind of iffy on it. I think it was personally ahead of its time because it's basically a lot of what modern racing games do nowadays. It was thinking of back in 1999, like coming up with these ideas of modifying your car in a very RPG way to level up and take on other racers. Uh, it's got an incredible soundtrack from the team, uh, Noriko Matsueda and Takahito Iguchi, who worked on the Final Fantasy X-2 soundtrack as well. So those who have good taste in Final Fantasy games know what's up there. Uh, and a Canadian translator named Hilltop put it all together after working on a game, uh, Dr. Slump, which I'd never heard of before in my life. But Dr. Sounds Slump fascinating. is a classic 1980s weekly jump manga that is on the level of uh dragon ball and i think actually one of the key creators of dragon ball worked on dr slump was there, that uh, toriyama who did the whole thing like i know the character designs are pure I toriyama. Think toriyama might have done uh dr slump yeah so yeah it's it's uh it's up there as one of those pantheon mangas so not not content to just bring the pantheon manga adaptation over hilltop has also brought over the seminal racing street racing rpg that we all know and love racing i had never heard of this thing i know it's it's such a cool thing because the first time i heard of it i was like what do you mean street racing rpg and then i went and i watched some videos of they had put out some gameplay of the first patch they put out which is kind of the intro to the game and it is a tokyo drift rpg it's set in japan or if you really want to like pull in the comparisons in initial d rpg yes where that's what i want you are like you are a scrappy young street racer taking <laughs> on the Knights of Tokyo and the soundtrack just slaps. I mean, it in all good racing games, the soundtrack needs to be good, right? If you it are racing and there's bad music playing, it's a bad time. If you're racing and good music's playing. It's a good race. So uh, that works out really well. I was listening to it before we got on here and just still jamming out to it. Um, and it, I think it's a really fascinating thing. And I'm glad that a fan translation project has put this together so quick. There have been a lot of cool games that have been getting fan translation projects finally. And to see this side of Square, uh, you know, not what we would typically expect, you know, the Final Fantasies and such, but a weird, bizarre racing RPG that got mixed reception and sold about 140K overseas gets a fan translation project over here. That's great. Like, let's that that's what we're talking about. When Phil Spencer's talking about preserving the older games, <laughs> this is what he's talking about. <laughs> racing Lagoon. Square's uh I mean roots, they're in racing. Rad Racer was one of their mm-hmm. first games. Mm-hmm. Also dating I, sims. Dating sims too. Mm-hmm. I actually had an interview with someone who worked on Rad Racer and just and my husband's a big fan for some reason. I asked him a question about Rad Racer and he was just like, uh <laughs> It wasn't expected that. Of course, over there it's called Highway Star. Nobody's going oh. to my car. I, I want to rewind for a second, Nadia. You expressed excitement about an initial DRPG. Are you secretly a car person? Hell no. I just think okay. initial D is <laughs> oh so ridiculous God. fun. And the soundtrack, of course, is just epic. I have a surprising number of car people in my life. And 
I will completely forget about it until all of a sudden they start talking about cars in the kind of depth and detail I reserve for video games. And I go, oh, yeah, right. Okay. It's not just a car. It is <laughs> the Mar- Mazda RTX 7 1992 to 2002 edition, third generation. And I'm just going, oh, help me. Get me out of here. The so. only reason I can vaguely identify cars is because of Lyft. I have to look for car models uh, now, but that's my that's my extent of my knowledge. Uh, and mostly it's like, okay, I'm looking for a blue car with license plate, you know, FU or whatever. All right, let's get back to the news. And the top story is Activision Blizzard continues to be an absolute nightmare. So let's hit mm. some of the bullet points. Bobby Kotick knew about the allegations for years and personally interviewed, intervened to block the removal of Treyarch's former co-head, Dan Bunting, who has resigned. More than 1,300 Activision Blizzard staff called for his resignation, but the board still has his back, and he's just not going anywhere. And Jen O'Neill, former Blizzard co-lead, made less than her male counterpart, which resulted in part in her decision to resign and was only offered a contract after she tendered her resignation. Xbox and Sony both expressed horror over this, rightly so. There was another walkout. And as somebody who writes news, it was just all that was all anybody talked about all week. And this is just never going to end. It's been it's been four months now, and this just keeps on going, this tire fire. For some reason, I'm reminded of dragons who sit on piles of gold and don't move no matter what mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's sitting on a big old golden parachute and he ain't moving because... Oh, yeah, no, I think the board's not getting rid of him because they're like, oh, God, we'd have to pay him so much and we already yeah, paid. He'd get so much. And that's, what, that's what's really infuriating about mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's like, yes, he needs to be gone, but if he's gone, he gets a huge payoff and it's just, it's really not fair, but what is, I suppose. It was amazing when on a Monday I was sitting there and and going into it, I'd heard rumblings that Halo was going to shadow drop. And so I was prepping the new story and thinking to myself, man, there's just no new story bigger than this is going to drop this week. All this week's going to be Halo talk. Oh, <laughs> uh, poor Microsoft. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, it, it's just, it's heartbreaking every time you see more stories come out about this. And I mean, even before, as we were getting ready to do this podcast, the the Wall Street Journal uh, put up a podcast that had more quotes and stuff about, uh, I don't remember which exact studio it was, but it was from a former Activision employee talking about their time at the company and, and situations they'd been subject to. And it's just more and more is coming out of it. And you really are looking at the situation and going like, when is the dam, when is the levy going to break? Like, what will it take at this point? Because the board and Kotick are putting up a front and saying like, we will do some things, but even the zero tolerance policy they put forward clearly is not applying to all people. It's one tolerance policy <laughs> and <laughs> it's, uh, and on the other side, you have employees who in mass numbers are putting their public names out there. I've like, even the petition aside, just watching social media, employees are getting sick and tired of it to the point that they're just openly tweeting about how bad it is right now. And that's, that's the level that it's at where you have to wonder where it's just going to hit a point where Activision Blizzard, there needs to be some level of action taken. And to that ends, we had Jim Ryan speaking 
and you know in an internal email uh, that was reported on by Bloomberg, and then Phil Spencer doing the same that was also reported on and then confirmed by IGN um, that they they're seriously going like we need to look at what's going on here because do we want to be associated with Activision Blizzard in this case? And maybe that's the thing that moves the needle finally, if it's not going to be the shareholders, if it's not going to be the board of directors, if it's not going to be the employees or the media or the public or investigations from multiple government bodies, (laughs) maybe it's the fact that console makers will start reconsidering whether they want to do business with them because PlayStation has always had a large role in the marketing for some of these games and maybe that's where the rubber meets the road but i maybe but i can't say i can't see xbox being like no no call of duty for us ever no thank you until you get your 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 stuff straightened out i i just don't know it's It's pretty bad it's been it's been tough to see because it is the question of like and it's it was a confirmation this week more than anything of of things that a lot of people suspected were probably true and now this report is just confirming a lot of it and then adding more on top so yeah i don't think that activision blizzard is going to be healing from this for a long time i mean three it's been three years since the riot story first broke 2018 if you can believe Jeez. that Mm-hmm. And Riot, in many ways, is still grappling mm-hmm. with that incredibly toxic culture that, that does not go away overnight. And Blizzard, in particular, I think, has been really critically damaged. Just so many people have left. So many really talented people just don't want to work there. And why would they? Why would they want to be there? And look, I get that. Bobby Kotick has a really cynical approach to video games. Be like, I don't care. It's going to make whatever is popular. But there comes a point where the talent drain becomes critical and you're, you're, the product starts to get affected. The product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Product, yeah, the product. The product, the product. And I just, I don't understand why the board, outside of the fact that he's expensive to get rid of, are backing him mm-hmm. to this extent. They have already made excuse to move on. And he's so damaged at this point. My God, the man intervened personally when the when it was recommended that they fire this guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, nah, no, I, I'm stepping he also in. Also threatened to kill his assistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's almost an element of Kotick seeming like he can just write his own version of history here because yeah. his statement right afterwards was like, well, if you know me, I've I've got a commitment, and you know it's any. This article is not that. If you got to know the real me, like it, I don't want to get to know the real the you. real me. He's the guy <laughs> who wrote the Francis Townsend memo that got her removed as the head of the ABK Women's Group, and then called it what was it? Uh, tone deaf. He called his own memo tone deaf and threw it under the bus. That's Bobby Kotick. Right there. Oh my God. What level can you sink to? I never thought I would feel bad for Frances Townsend, a woman who helped author the Bush torture memos. But here we are. I am feeling bad for Frances Townsend. It's ridiculous. So, Activision Blizzard, ongoing tire fire. But Maybe something a little warmer and cozier and fuzzier now. It's another (laughs) new segment, Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. 
We should have an audio drop right here where it's like, Aunt Nadia's nostalgia nook. <laughs> Things like I'll that. I'll work on it. I'm also thinking yeah. insipid Nadia commentary or something. There we go. <laughs> but I'm into it. Nadia, what do you got for us this week? Oh, uh, I just thought I'd talk a little bit about um, for the more nostalgic elements of, of RPG stuff, especially the media that came attached to old RPGs, which was rare back in the day, but it certainly happened. One thing that I was observing recently for some reason was the old... Uh, Captain N cartoon based on Dragon Warrior because that was the thing that existed. Of course, Captain N, if you're familiar, was an old 80s slash 90s cartoon that did its best, maybe, to adapt uh, popular Nintendo properties into cartoons. And most of these were pretty bad. The creators had no... like It was a very different time. The creators had no source material to work off of. They were literally looking at their TVs and getting their character designs from there, which is why Mega Man was green. Someone screwed up their color. Like, believe it or not, that's that's why we got a green Mega Man in, in Captain N. But I was watching the the Dragon Warrior slash Quest episode, and first of all, kudos to them for actually having an episode about Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest. And they just made their own little world out of it that I found very intriguing, where, uh, just for example, Dragon Lord's a big dragon. He's not actually a man who turns into a dragon. There's like a kingdom of evil dragons harassing the good dragons, and there weren't even this many dragons in Dragon Warrior. They basically built a whole society around this episode. Uh, there's two episodes with, with the dragons in them, and both of them are very dragon-centric. And I find it's, it's interesting because, let's face it, a lot of those old cartoons in the day, they had a template that they subscribed to because, hey, um, they learn about bullying this week. Hey, where's my paycheck? So I appreciated the fact that Captain N, for a change, took a, uh, a universe they knew nothing about had no real way of knowing anything about it and made their own thing out of it. I think that was pretty cool. I don't recommend it. Otherwise, I don't think it's not a great show. Some people my age will tell you it was the greatest show of all time. It was really bad. Uh, the character designs were also really bad. The characterization was really bad. For some reason, there's some uh, revival of Simon Belmont from the old cartoon. People saying, this is a really good interpretation of Simon Belmont. No, it's not. Everyone smoked crack on the same day. I don't know what happened. But he's still <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I grew up with. And kids these days, they don't know. The kids these days, they have these fancy... There's a League of Legends adaptation. It's supposedly fantastic. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. You kids really scored. I had to have Bomber Jacket Simon Belmont for some reason. That was the best I could do. Uh, That's my segment for this week. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Well, folks, this segment is a winner. (laughs) Simon Belmont. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he sounded like. Kim, were you a Captain N fan back in the day? You know, I watched it with my brothers. We enjoyed ah. it for what it was. We got it when it came out on DVD. But like, yeah, you know, we watched a lot of bad stuff when we were kids. So and thought it, it was, was the fun. best you could do in the yeah, 80s. Right? And not, not only like... Kids today are don't not only do they have great content, but they also can get it anytime they want. Oh, there it is on Netflix. In my day, if you would have to get it on NBC or Global mm-hmm. in Canada or whatever, and you had to be there at the exact time, and if it got canceled, which it would, f you, you're not getting it back. So that was the end I of your mean, Mario for adventure. Us, it was like, oh my god, video games somewhere else. Yes, <laughs> like I it, can it watch was... something about video games. That's awesome. It I was feel... very novel. 
Remember when you were like just getting any video game memorabilia felt like, oh my god, I found yes. like the treasure, and now it's everywhere. I'm like, these kids don't know how <laughs> or, they have it. Or a single reference to yeah. like the Super Nintendo in oh, yeah. Goosebumps, and you're mm. like, oh my god, right? You mentioned Super reference. Nintendo. What a hip and relevant uh, YA horror book. Oh my gosh, I did not watch Captain N. Until about 10 years ago. It was for a Retronauts episode. It was one of the worst things I've ever watched. <laughs> it, I don't know what the heck was going on with Mother Brain. She's uh, she's voiced by uh, Audrey too, the the plant. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That makes Levi's a lot of sense. Yes, uh, this game seems to be... Ha- that, that game. This show was sort of created by somebody who I feel like was told secondhand about these characters. And That's went, exactly what happened. Yeah, okay, yeah, like, they're like this. Uh, Simon Belmont wears a you know, bomber jacket, fine. That I don't get. I don't get it to this yeah. day. <laughs> that is Nadia's nostalgia nook. And yeah, I'm really enjoying that segment. It's like, he gave Nadia her own segment. <laughs> now you're into it. Why did she go and do it. that? She brought it. This was good. <laughs> All right, it's time now for Random Encounters. This was the original segment for the the name of the uh, the rundown, the news that I wanted to do. I just wanted to go through some of the major headlines from this week really quickly. And our top story is Ed Sheeran is in Pokemon Go. What's his type? It's water type. And... It, I don't know. Like, this was a headline. Everybody was confused by it. I, I don't even really know who Ed Sheeran is, except that he's popular. And Oh, thank God. I thought I was the only person who was like, who, who is this he, guy? He was y'all, Game of y'all don't know once. who Ed Sheeran is? I, I don't listen to that music, Eric. Um, but apparently Pokemon <laughs> Go is trying to be Fortnite now because it is like doing a concert it's, in the game. He has had that before. It's done, it's it done, did this with Post yeah, Malone okay. before, where they, yeah. will, they will get popular recording artists to do... The Post Malone one was actually pretty cool because he sang his songs, which are not family friendly, but he's like singing them (laughs) with Pokemon around him. So he's like singing some like fairly dirty lyrics and there's like these Pokemon hanging out like, yeah, love this. (laughs) And it's so tonally disconnected and beautiful. And the sad thing is, I think Ed Sheeran might be a response to that because Ed Sheeran is like the dude at the coffee shop who's like, oh, I brought my guitar if you want to hear it. (laughs) He was Wonderwall. uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's (laughs) he's the dude who brings the guitar to parties. Like that is his entire personality. Oh, I take that guitar and hit him over the head. I just, (laughs) I can't stand that. I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but I can't. I'm sorry. I I was that guy once and that's why I hate him. It's like that. It's like watching Evangelion and seeing yourself in Shinji and you're like, I hate Shinji, but I hate Shinji because Shinji reflects me. I'm like, I hate Ed Sheeran because I used to be that asshole. (laughs) I used to be a piece of shit. I think the baby knows. (laughs) That's um, so, yeah, no, Ed Ed Sheeran. This is just another celebrity crossover, but they missed a really good joke that my website, destructoid.com caught, which is his favorite type is psychic because he's in love with the shape of me. I thought he was a water type. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, a joke. joke about one of his songs. <laughs> uh, oh, I get it. I, I get it. I get it now. 
Um, okay, that's great. Why don't we get like a, a someone else up there with some filthy lyrics? Bring it back to where it needs to like, be. Let's get like Doja Cat up there doing some Pokemon songs or something like that. Like, you know, I would unironically love to see Lil Nas. Like, oh, Lil Nas that with, yes. with Pokemon Go would be so good. The Xbox is 20, 20 years old, and against all odds, it's kind of nostalgic now. I, I have fond memories of the Xbox. I never thought I would ever be able to say that. I just want the world to stop reminding me that I'm getting old. And I feel mm. like there's always some 20-year damn anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Twilight Princess stop. is 15 years old now. Oh, no. <sighs> Mm. Kingdom Hearts is going to be 20 next year. Yeah. That's crazy to me. <laughs> no, it, didn't it come out in 01? No, it came in 02. Yeah. yeah. Final Fantasy X, a much better game, came out in 2001. Oh, but. my. Ouch. Those are them's fighting words, Cat. We already got the Legend of Dragoon people riled up. Why are you doing this? No, no, I'm, I'm backing Cat up. That's an accurate statement. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm only <laughs> speaking the truth here. But uh, you should go check out our Xbox console RPG quest wherein we talk about why the Xbox was actually a sneakily very important RPG machine, despite the fact that it had like three RPGs total. Yeah, it was extremely important. Although I didn't play a lot of RPGs when we rented our Xbox like from time to time because my husband was working at Blockbuster at that point. I loved playing uh, Panzer Dragoon Ultra. That was a great game. And also, I I just watched the intro for Dead or Dead and Alive, Dead or Alive with the the Aerosmith uh, Dream On thing. Like I was like, oh man, this is so awesome, and it was. So you got You got to give me that. Loop Hero is out on Nintendo Switch next month. If you haven't played Loop Hero, Nadia, it's one of the best games of the year, and you should play it. I really I enjoy will. it. If it's coming to Switch, I will definitely play it. There you go. Also, Death Door is coming out next week, or this week specifically, and it's one of the I best games this year. That. Yes, another I, game. I played that on Xbox. I don't know where I have it, but I played it, and I was like, oh, this is cool, and then I just stopped, and I don't know why. Sonic and Tails are in Monster Hunter Rise? Yes, they're costumed. Sure. Why? Because it's Sonic's uh, 30th anniversary, I think. Um, that's what we're celebrating right now. Anyway, uh, Monster Hunter loves to have weird collaborations, and this is just one of many. Mm-hmm. I love Monster Hunter collaborations. I actually think the Sonic thing for the Palico is very cute. It's no weirder than the Mega Man one, which was really weird looking. I like how Tails' costume goes to the the canine. Like, it just looks really strange, but in the cutest way possible. Mm-hmm. Paradox is happy with the progress of Bloodlines 2. They won't say anything else about it, but <laughs> everything's great. There's Still going. nothing wrong Woo! in bossing. No further say, questions. Everything's good. Don't ask questions. <laughs> Hey, look at that bird over there. And finally, Riot had itself a bit of a week in that it released uh, Arcane, and it also released Ruined King, and it released another game as well. It rapid succession, and they were all very well received. And Eric, I guess this is a, a good segue into what we've been playing. You've been playing Ruined King. What do you think? Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm here as the the MOBA sicko to fill us all in on what's happening on this side of the industry. <laughs> yes. Because at the end of the day, MOBAs are just competitive RPGs. And I'm correct in that statement. And everyone's got to get used to it. But that's what I've been saying. Yeah, no, uh, you have to come up with a build on the fly. Uh huh. You got to yeah. kill monsters to get gold to level up to better your skills and find better yeah. equipment to outpower the enemy party. That's it. Like, exactly. It's a, that's what Loba I've been saying all along. Competitive yeah. RPG. 
But uh, so, yeah, Riot has been on a tear recently. So they had this whole thing planned out where this month they've been releasing uh, like three episode bundles of arcane which is their netflix series it's very very good uh if even if you don't like league of legends i recommend you watch it uh especially watch that over the live action cowboy bebop uh make good choices and practice self-care <laughs> um, well, you don't like the blackmail line oh. i don't even know what that is i don't think i want to i don't think i want to find it on know. twitter yeah um it's so but but that's that's all good i think there was just and we saw this a while ago when they had their riot anniversary stream and all that where they were saying we want to expand out beyond just league of legends we want to be more than just the league of legends studio and the first kind of volley of that was doing teamfight tactics as a breakout and their their legends of Ruterra card game uh they announced project l which is their internal fighting game that still hasn't popped up on the radar and then netflix arcane which is kind of like expanding the story they also announced riot forge which is a third pub a third party publishing firm that is handling all these different basically partnered projects and the way that cadence of hyrule was developed by the necrodancer folks but was about the nintendo ip zelda a lot of studios are getting to use the runeterra ip the league of legends ip to make their own takes on stuff within this universe so this week uh hextech mayhem was the one made by the bit trip folks it's like a rhythm runner uh it looks neat but that's not normally my type of game so i haven't really looked at it but ruin king is an rpg single player rpg set in the world of runeterra made by the folks uh at airship syndicate who put together battle chasers night war uh which is kind of an underrated rpg in my opinion it definitely has its faults but i think it doesn't get talked about uh and i think this is the game that is going to get them talked about a little bit more because the combat system is super in depth in a way that's really, really cool. It's honestly one of the coolest battle systems I've seen this year. And it's got a really good story uh, that you don't need to know League of Legends to go into and, and appreciate. It's got some really good voice acting talent playing all these different league champions. So you've got misfortune you've got Ilawi, who's a very well-known character who uses these giant she carries like a giant bell almost that she beats people to death with and then nice. summons like kraken tentacles from the ground to beat people to death with but she's also a healer which is like they the thing i like about airship syndicate is they know how to design a good healer and so you have this warrior woman who summons tentacles that slap the enemies for damage. And then the more tentacles you have, the more powerful her abilities are, which also then plays into like, you can heal better or you can damage better and you can spec into different builds. Uh, it's just a really, really interesting game. Definitely not what I think a lot of people would expect out of a league of legends thing, especially in the depth of the story. It's got like a tails sort of skit system where your party can stop and kind of chat amongst themselves about things that they're seeing. And the characters are really well developed, which was a big problem for battle chasers. And overall it's, it's a much more impressive product than I was expecting. I was really just expecting a League of Legends skin over the Battle Chasers Night War game and, and called it done day. But they really went the extra mile in making this feel like a fully realized story within this world. And again, the combat system, I could probably spend about 20 minutes trying to describe it to you and would not get it across well. <laughs> but it's it's like timeline based where you are manipulating different enemy attacks and cooldowns in order to push them back or forward on the timeline. 
and then you have the ability to either speed up or slow down your attacks as well to give them more damage or make them come out faster and then tons of effects and abilities on top of that in ways that there's there's fewer battle encounters than i would say most rpgs have but it makes each battle encounter feel very involved and like you're really having to think about all the systems that you work with and it's it's a huge surprise for me i didn't expect it to to get shadow dropped and i definitely didn't expect it to come out and be something that i enjoyed as much as i'm enjoying right now and it's on nintendo switch nadia you can play it it is on Nintendo Switch. There is a mild issue with the Nintendo Switch version uh, that they're <laughs> that they are currently investigating. I'm playing it on Steam, and it runs wonderfully on Steam. It's also on PlayStation. Uh, I don't know if it's on Xbox off the top of my head, actually, but uh, it is. I it is something, especially I think if you want to check out the League of Legends universe and don't want to get yelled at by twelve year olds. Uh, True. That sounds like it might be up my alley. Then. Turning off the all chat, mm-hmm. one of the best decisions ever made. Mm-hmm. That's why Pokemon, uh, what's it called? The Pokemon uh, version of League of Legends oh, is yeah, uh, yeah. so popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool how League of Legends is such a bare bones game in terms of lore and story because it's just like you want to play a MOBA, go play the MOBA. And that ends up working so well for when it actually does build out its universe because it's just wide open for all these stories to be. Because then they bring in Imagine Dragons. <laughs> yeah, and then Imagine Dragons shows up, and and I don't know what it is about Riot and the way they just love Imagine Dragons. There is not any Imagine Dragons in this game yet. There is an Arcane yet, but there's not any yet. Imagine Dragons in Rune King yet. When I was at US Gamer, I wrote an article about. Uh, warriors which is the league of legends song that they used mm-hmm. and uh i got so many people angry at me for writing that <laughs> writing about number one imagine dragons number two league of legends number two together Some people were not happy with me that day eric bless you for tweeting during this episode you're my favorite <laughs> i did that a while ago it's actually a testament to how not often you check twitter that you didn't see it until now because i ah. tweeted that during like the intro section <laughs> um but yeah, Rune King, it's it's an interesting game. I think if people like the idea of Battle Chasers Night War or just uh, an RPG with a really interesting combat system, it's worth checking out. Um, are we in the what what we're playing section? Should I go on to my other game? Oh, oh you're still talking. All right. Oh, <laughs> what else are you wow. playing? <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm still going, up. huh? I'm making up. I'm not going to be here next week. So it's, you know, I'm making oh, up for next fair. week. Yeah. Yeah. I played a whole ton of Guardians of the Galaxy, and that game is way better than I thought it was going to be. That's I started. I've that heard too. good things about it. It's it is like weirdly reminding me of Mass Effect Andromeda mm-hmm. in a good way, like the good parts of Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's got better writing than ninety nine percent of MCU movies, and it's just fun and it's a romp. Honestly, weirdly enough. Playing it after rewatching Cowboy Bebop, I was sitting there like this. This has like the feel of a Cowboy Bebop game to me where we are kind of jettisoning from one place to another going on adventures. The crew's kind of always infighting. There's a lot of hostility because they all kind of have their different opinions on what should be done. And the character writing is is so good, like way better than it has any right to be. And I'm just I'm honestly 
it's on my list for end of year. It is it wow. is secured a spot. Yeah, people are standing for Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I think a lot of people yeah. had bad feelings about it because of Avengers. Mm-hmm. They're like kind of lumping it in that same category. But actually, I, there's been a lot of conversations about Guardians of the Galaxy in my place yeah, of work. I, and people are like, well, yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people were a little slow to warm to it because like you said, uh, bad memories of Avengers. Mm-hmm. But I've had more than a few people on my timeline say, hey, this is actually probably going to be one of my games of the year. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a surprise all over. And I'm also someone who the the studio that put together um, Eidos Montreal, uh, I had a grudge with them for a while (laughs) (laughs) because they had had made some games in series that I liked, but entries in those series I did not like. And so I was like, oh, this is this is my rival. This is I I do not like them. And (laughs) they they they've won my my piece for now we are neutral again because this is a very very good game i am just it and i am not the person who is the target audience for this i think a lot of mcu stuff is grown worthy at this point and i am hard and coldened and and embittered towards the mcu and this has warmed my cold dead heart in in ways i did not expect so yeah kim what are you playing well, as I talked about before, uh, obviously Eastward, I started that. Um, and then I also started Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, there you go. And I'm having oh, a lot of fun with it. It's just dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, like the, like I said, the characters, the dialogue's really well done um, so far. I'm still pretty early in, but like I'm just having fun with it. it it's, a, it's a good time, um, especially after the strenuous SMT journey I went on. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a good pickup because I was like, what do you play next after mm-hmm. that? And um, yeah, between that and Eastward, I've just been alternating between those two. I really want to play Super Robot Wars 30. <laughs> but I <laughs> so do it. I don't really have time at this point because there are a lot of games that mm-hmm. I've been kind of jumping back and forth to like SMT5, Persona 5, <clears throat> now Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. And Shining Pearl. Like, I feel like I've, we've hit that time of year where I've got just an avalanche of games just kind of. And all RPGs there. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm putting a lot of time into Animal Crossing, uh, New Horizons, because I really, 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 really like that DLC. And I don't know. Like, I've been thinking a lot about how I just like games where I can go chill Mm -hmm. and live in a world and build it to my heart's content and meet people. And sometimes RPGs fit into that particular category. But in this instance, Animal Crossing continues to really speak to me. And I got the free, you know, I got the expansion pack because I had the expansion pass. And I just have been building houses for my islanders and meeting them for coffee. And that's kind of all I need. Like that's uh that's my morning routine now as I get up and ah, I walk like around it. on the island. I yeah. carry my little coffee cup around. <laughs> I sat <laughs> I sat on a bench next to Diane, my my dear girl, just chilled out. Yeah, I would like to uh have a lot of games to play, but also I'm working on a, a pretty hefty review of a TV show at the moment that's taking up all my time and also I'm moving. Oh, moving um, will so, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> moving is doing it. Yeah, so that's that's going to be a challenge over the uh, the next couple of weeks. Nadia, what are you playing? 
Uh, well, I mentioned SMT5 already. We talked all about that. And today was supposed to be uh, Endwalker Day. And as we talked about last week, it got delayed two weeks. So today is not Endwalker Day. Although I am kind of going through Final Fantasy fourteen and cleaning up for the occasion. I have a lot of lingering raids and storylines I didn't really finish. So I actually finally finished the Warring Triad storyline. And my God, the music was incredible because of course it was. It was basically the Warring Triad from Final Fantasy VI with that music that you get when you fight them in at the end of the game or like when you fight the Atma weapon on the floating continent, which is, I can't remember the name of the the, 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 the song, but it's, it's it, one of my favorites. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And basically picture that remixed with Final Fantasy fourteen like orchestra. Just, that's how <sighs> incredible it is. And each... Each uh, primal, each uh, uh, warring triad character that you take on also has their own separate theme for their second form. And that's usually a, a sequence with lyrics. And they're all freaking incredible. I actually wrote on Fanbyte a piece about one of these songs, Equilibri- Equilibrium, which plays when you fight uh, Sophia slash the goddess. Mm-hmm. And it's basically its own narrative about Sophia and who she is. And she is the goddess of balance and basically... The lyrics tell a story about a girl from a war-torn uh, uh, part of the world the, that the Allegan Empire tore up to the point that her father died, which made her mother go crazy, which made her mother beat her. So she prayed to Sophia to, for relief. And Sophia is not a goddess of justice and mercy. She's a goddess of balance. So she says, basically, kill your mother and kill yourself. And that will end all your suffering. Everything will be great. So she does. And it's a very nice, very nice, warm story. But uh, yeah, I wrote about it for Fanbyte. I just kind of dissected the song and the lyrics. And I think you would really enjoy it if you went in and uh, looked at it. That was a lot to take in. <laughs> it's the one time I wish the video chat part of this was like visible to the viewers because the slow look of shock on all of our faces as we realized what Nadia was describing to yeah, 14's a lot, but it's a just I was writing about how basically a lot of lore is in that game and stuffed into the unlikeliest of places. And that is the unlikeliest of places. First of all, you don't hear this, the lyrics the first time, at least because you're probably too busy screwing up your rotation like I was. And you have like all the sounds of the battles and stuff like that. So the fact that it's there for you to pursue is it, just really, really fascinating to me. Hey, if you want more Final Fantasy XIV discourse like this, go check out Charlene Dropouts, which comes out each month. There's been four of these so far. It's our pals, Victor Hunter and Mike Williams. It's very good. I've been told people like it, which makes me happy. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for listening, if you listen to it. And that is it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Kim for joining us on this podcast. If you like the new seg, if you like the new format, or you have some critiques for the new format, I would love to hear them. We're kind of tinkering with the show, trying to improve the experience of going through a weekly episode. Leave me a message on Discord, or send me an email at catabluggapod.com, or just send me a DM on Twitter, the underscore catbot. We'll be back next week, next Monday, as always. In the meantime. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMUSI. And Kim, one more time, where are you? KSTAR 1785, Twitter. Right on. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Your generous contributions keep this show going. 
and just generally makes us really happy. We really appreciate your support. For five bucks, that is five bucks a month. That is one cup of coffee. You can get all of our episodes a week early and ad free, plus access to all of our specials and lots of other perks, along with our uh, access to our Discord. Go check out our Cowboy Bebop ranking episodes. They were a heck of a lot of fun to do. Go listen to those instead of watching the Netflix show. I think you'll <laughs> enjoy it a lot more. Trying to tell me something here? No, I'm not trying to tell you anything, Kim. You should go listen to the ranking. That's it for us. Thanks to you so much for listening and for Nadia, Kim, Eric, and myself. Happy adventure. You incompetent idiot! I told you to guard the Poltergeist King! He almost escaped! Oh wow! Bummer, huh?